0: today kind of love comes down like have that kind of just going going in your ears i do have to say i've been looking forward to the day that i can make the parallel that jesus is a superhero that's just that's just me uh, but i've heard this song I, multiple times over over in the office i'm next door to, to pastor scott so when he said hey i'm doing a, a series on this song i'm like all right i love you too i don't know this song but I, i'll roll with it and um after this on Christmas Eve, so we get to hear it one more time. But I think of these words. When love comes to town, I'm going to jump that train. When love comes to town, I'm going to catch that flame. Maybe I was wrong to ever let you down, but I did what I did before love came to town. And we, today we have arrived at the, the fourth week of Advent, and the fourth candle has been lit, the, the candle labeled love. And of all the weeks... This topic, love, is the one that I think for most of us we would say we have kind of an understanding of it because it's what we do day in and day out. We love. And I have to say, I already shared this with a few folks, it's a funny coincidence because last year I asked Scott, hey, I would love to, to preach a Christmas sermon, you know, if you would give me the chance to, to do that. And last year I got to talk about love and, well, here we are this year, same topic so we'll see what happens in 2022 if Scott gives me another chance at talking about love. But what has been so good about this series is we've gotten to see all these different moments, these different moments of Jesus's ministry here on earth. We saw the story of Mary Magdalene and how her life was changed. Last week, we saw Matthew, the tax collector. I, Christine and I haven't watched that episode yet, so we're watching it like, yep, spoilers. But we know, I mean, it's just an amazing story to watch. And then there is the healing of the leper we watched a couple weeks ago. And that scene, just again, just how Jesus steps into those people's lives. All these real people were impacted by this teacher from Nazareth. And our text today is going to focus on another person that Jesus called, Simon Peter the Rock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today to hear the story of Peter. Lord, often we, as humans today, as, as, as uh, sinful people, we, we at times look at Peter as the most relatable of the disciples, a disciple who loved you passionately, not without his quirks, not without his failings, but God, he always came back to his love for you. So Lord, as we spend time in your word And just spending time focusing on Peter, Lord, we ask that you reveal something new in this scripture today, in this short time that we have together, Lord, that when we leave this place, we can recognize the moment in Peter's life when love came to town. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture today uh, comes from Luke 5, 1 through 11, and it'll be on the screen behind me. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him story that if you grew up in church you heard countless times in sunday school maybe it was on the flannel graph maybe it was a mcgee and me cartoon but we've all heard this story countless times and when we read it we see a radical transformation happen in simon peter but before we unpack his story we're going to do a little uh side step here and i want us to think about something maybe we haven't thought about in a little while I want us to think about our ancestors, our heritage. Now, I am not from Fulton, but when I moved here, I learned one very firm fact. When you are in Fulton, the heritage is Dutch. (laughs) You guys are really excited about your heritage today. You are Dutch. It is a fact. There's no denying it. And go through a list of the last names, and it is a known fact and I married a girl that's, that's, that's from that heritage. But I grew up in a different town. I grew up in Geneseo, and, and I will say Geneseo is a mixed bag of different heritages. Um, but I can tell you my family line, from my dad's side specifically, that we can go back a few generations, and we're from Sweden. I mean, Johnson kind of on the nose, like Johnson, Sweden. Um, But my great-grandfather, I believe it was his generation, they actually immigrated to America. So I'm a few generations removed, obviously, from the Swedish. But they immigrated to America. And today what's really cool is there's things like 23andMe and Ancestry.com and there's other uh, organizations uh, that you can actually send in your your blood sample and they can tell you what your heritage is. My dad, we gifted it to him for Christmas last year and, and maybe some of you have done that and you've been able to find out Maybe you're related to someone you didn't realize, or, but you've gotten to see where you came from. That's pretty cool. I love, I love that that's something that in today's technology we're able to do that. But growing up in the first half of the 1900s, I know that my ancestors, they did not have it easy. And uh, I, I remember hearing stories from my, my dad's dad, Grandpa Johnson. Um, he was born in 1914, if I remember correctly. So he got to grow up through the Depression. He got to see a lot of, a lot of things in his almost 100 years. He passed away in 2014 before his 100th birthday. But he told, he told some, I'm guessing, true stories, and then the grandpa stories that you're like, okay, Grandpa, is this actually real? But he talked about having to move from, from Rockford, Illinois, to California because there was no work in Illinois. He shared other stories of, of, of just difficult times that they had to go through. And I would imagine that we could go around the room today and everyone has that grandpa or grandma or great-grandparent story of the hardships of having to live through difficult times. Who knows, in 100 years, my great-great-grandkids will get to hear about us living through 2020. Who knows? But we could spend hours on all those stories, stories of strength, stories of when people had to live through hard times, endure hardships. And I know when I think of my grandpa, one of the words that comes to mind is, is being very stoic, that I lived through this. And he looked, I remember him kind of looking at today back in 2014 and being like, what in the world is going on? But he lived through quite a bit of life. They had to show stoicism. They had to be strong. They knew that work had to be done because no one was going to do it for them. We know that our ancestors were a very self-reliant people because the world required it of them. They had to do it themselves. And when we look at Simon Peter's ancestors, the Israelites, we can actually see a lot of parallels, that they were not that different from our ancestors, obviously a different locale and time in history, but similarities, We can go and read through the Old Testament, and we can read story after story of the hardship that Israel had to weather in the Old Testament. Stories of mankind thinking, I don't need help, I got this. It's stories as old as the Garden, in the Garden of Eden, when humanity took its first step away from God, thinking that they knew better than God, that they've got this, that they could do it on their own. And we know how that turned out, obviously. But we leap ahead and we read about Jacob's descendants becoming slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. They had to be in slavery, building empires on their backs. And then they were saved by God through Moses to be freed and then end up in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering around because they again thought that they could do it themselves. Then they made it out of the wilderness and they, they established themselves in the promised land and they built kingdoms. And then things fell apart again. kings and kingdoms would rise and fall because of man's drive and ego, that they could do it themselves. And when they did accomplish something, maybe that was not aligned with God, by the next chapter that person was dead, or they would be repenting of their sins against God. And we read the Israelites that they needed somebody to come and save them from themselves. We read in the books of the prophets, of many prophecies of God saying, He was going to send someone, that he could send someone that would deliver the people from their sins. And I don't have this verse up on the screen, but Isaiah 61 reads this The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. There are are countless prophecies throughout the Old Testament, and I, I picked this one because it just shows they needed a savior. They needed a savior so that they could be reunited with God. These people, they were Peter's ancestors. They were waiting year after year, decade after decade, multiple generations, waiting. And we know now today, because we have the full book, we know that the Old Testament... It just, it's not just a book of laws for some first-century Jews. We know that for Peter and his people, that it was also a book of stories, heroes of the faith. There were cautionary tales, lots of genealogies, lots of genealogies. There's poetry. But it was also a way to look back and see one of my favorite things to read about in the Old Testament is God's promises, or to use the very big church word, his covenants. His covenants to his people that a coming Messiah was going to redeem them all. So let's get back to Peter, our man of the hour today. We come back to Peter, and I know a lot of us have been watching the show The Chosen, and they have done a fantastic job fleshing out his character. Because honestly, Scripture, before Jesus, there wasn't a lot to go off of, or his BC days, before Christ days. There is not a lot to go off of we know that his father, Jonah, was a fisherman. And as good first century Jews, they would take on the job that their father had. So he passed his career on to his sons, Peter and Andrew. And Peter would have had to have been a hard worker. I mean, I'm not a fisherman. Pastor Scott tells me his stories of going fishing. And I just, I don't have that in me. It's not, I don't golf, I don't fish. I'm not a good pastor in training right now. I gotta get, I gotta get a hobby. Um, but being a, a fisherman of that day, was incredibly hard, backbreaking work. I mean, you watch The Chosen, and Peter's pretty jacked. I mean, he had to be to catch all those fish. Uh, but we can look back and see uh, that he had a hard life and that he had to work hard to, to support his family. He had his wife and his mother-in-law living with him, so he had to work hard. Now, leading, we're going to watch a clip here in just a second, but leading up to this clip we're about to watch, Peter and Andrew, Zebedee and his sons, James and John, They've been up all night, all night fishing, and as the day breaks, they come up to the shore, and they see a man with a crowd, and he's, geez, it's Jesus, he's teaching this crowd, and I, this is one of my favorite, there's, there, I'll say this about this episode, this is my favorite moment, I just love the whole episode, but there's this, this moment where Jesus, he turns and he sees the boat, and he says, let me come aboard as he's stepping on board, like Jesus is just like, I'm bold, I'm just going to go for it, he just... Hey, can I come aboard? And he walks right onto his boat, and he gets on, and he finishes his teaching, and he turns to Peter. You watch that scene a hundred times and still just feel the impact of what's what we just viewed there's three things that i want us to to pull away from this scene and there's way more than three things to take away from it but three things i want us to focus on today is the way that jesus looked at peter it's a very minute thing to, to recognize but the first time i saw this scene it was actually before our small group was meeting And um, and it hit me. I'm watching this moment that Jesus is looking at Peter, and he he kind of focuses in on him. And actually, I think it's kind of the clip of the scene before this that he gives him this look. But Jesus focuses on him, and he knows everything. He knows absolutely everything there is to know about Peter. He knows all his sins, all his shortcomings. And he knew Peter before he even spoke a word to him that day. And with that knowledge, knowing that Jesus saw that in Peter, we know, we know for a fact, we read it in Scripture, we know it for a fact, that Jesus knows each and every one of us in that way. I mean, we can read in Psalm 139 that God knit us together in our mother's womb, he knows the hairs on our heads, and he knows all the days of our lives. But I have to ask do we know him? Have we taken the time to know him? Are our eyes open to see Jesus in our world? Are our eyes open to see him in our lives as well? The second thing I want us to take away from, from this clip is Peter's confession. He drops to his knees before Jesus. He says, we waited for so long. And this goes back to the waiting that I, I shared earlier. The Jews waited for a Messiah to come and save them. Can you read the Old Testament, and you read countless stories of exile, of oppression, and they had their chances where they would rise back up to the top only to be knocked back down again and they were crying out for a Messiah. I love the, the bit with Zebedee, obviously not in the, in the scripture, but I just love the way, <laughs> what am I going to say? You're missing supper. You're with Jesus. Like, that's awesome. Maybe he did say, I want to believe he said that. Anyway, Jesus showed up, but Jesus doesn't come on, he didn't come on their timetable. They were crying out for him for hundreds of years. He came when he needed to Because Jesus is never late nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. He does this in our lives too. When we need him the most, when we are at our weakest moment, when we recognize that we cannot do all of this on our own, he shows up. We cannot save ourselves from our own sin. Only Jesus has that power. And at some point, we have to, like Peter, come before Jesus, drop to our knees, and recognize that we have relied on our own strength for far too long, and we've relied on ourselves, and we need to ask him for forgiveness, that we sinned, we said we could do this, because we can't. We need to ask for forgiveness, and we need to heed his command, which is, follow me. He's, Peter says, what must I do? What must I do, Lord? Lord, this is the big question in all our lives. What, was, what must we do to follow him? We need to follow him. And he says that. Jesus says, follow me. That's just his, his, his calling card. Follow me. It's, and he, he does this countless times. We see the disciples, they drop everything and go. They're dropping their nets. They're leaving their boats. They're leaving the life behind so that they could follow him. So could you do that? I know I would have. To, I, I honestly would struggle initially just the idea of, of leaving everything behind and go. And like a good husband, I would go and ask my wife, like, hey, this is happening. And in and the next episode, I believe, P, uh, Peter's talking with his wife, and I love the way that she responds to him. And, and Christine and I have had these conversations. Husbands, go to your wives and say to the Lord, whenever the Lord is moving in, my, in, in your life, Go to your wife and share that because she's not going to be mad. She's going to rejoice that God is moving in your life. Throughout this Advent season, we have journeyed together through hope, joy, faith, and we've arrived at love. And we can ask the question, what will you do when love comes to town? What will you do when Jesus comes to town? What will you do when Jesus comes into your life? when he boldly steps onto your boat and says, hey, follow me. In all these stories, we focus on how Jesus impacted the people that he met in his time on this earth. And he showed them compassion. He showed them love, that they are valued by him. Society may not do those things, but Jesus does. He loves. And in time, he showed them, and he shows us today, where our true heritage lies. You know, we all have a physical heritage here on this earth, and we can look to our ancestors, and whether it's a nationality that we are beholden to, or we recognize just where we're from and where we live now. And we can be grateful for them. I know I'm grateful for for my heritage. I, I can guarantee I know a lot of Fulton folks that are proud of their Dutch heritage. We can be grateful for those heritages because that's what we get to live into here on this earth. But our true heritage, our spirit's heritage, is of a heavenly home, and that is with Jesus. And as we come to this Christmas time, I, my hope for you all is to not have another Christmas season go by where it's just doing it by the book. It's just singing the Christmas carols, it's eating the Christmas turkey or ham, whatever it is, it's not just another holiday, but this is yet, this is another opportunity to recognize that yes, Jesus came as a baby. He came in the most unassuming format possible, young, squishy, and screaming. <laughs> that's how he came into this world. The away in a manger is a lie. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, is my least favorite Christmas song because that's heresy. I have four kiddos. I know there is lots of crying when babies are born, but Jesus was quiet, I guess. But when we come to this Christmas season, we recognize the baby that would someday grow to be a man to take on the sins of the world and die in our place. That's the culmination. That's Easter. That's, that's down the road. But here's the thing is, is right now we're also in our own season of waiting. Not just as Fulton people, as Americans, as citizens of this earth. We are in a long season of waiting. We can see all that those people went through hundreds, thousands of years ago. Exile, sickness, being disconnected from loved ones. All the things that they went through we're experiencing today as well. We are in an exile from heaven. But the way that we get out of exile is follow our true king. That is Jesus Christ, the God that has sent his son to love on us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we rejoice as we sing our songs, as we pray our prayers, as we decorate our homes this Christmas season. Lord, we rejoice when we think of your coming son, first as a baby, and someday to return. Lord, I I pray for all of us that we would put aside the self-reliant attitude the self-reliant spirit that we can do this ourselves because, Lord, we know we we need to be reminded that we can't. We cannot save ourselves. Only your Son can save us. So, Lord, I just ask for all of us that, even through this Christmas season and beyond, we are reminded of that, the coming of your Son to save us all for the love that you showed. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.